Well, hello, Bible Love listeners. Welcome to today's Bible Love podcast. We are super excited. And before we begin, we want to start with a prayer. So the Lord be with you. Also with you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with friends to discover more about your scripture that you have given us, specifically judges. Let this be a fruitful conversation filled with your love. In God's name we pray. Amen. We are, you'll notice there's four screens for the first time ever. We'll see if we can figure this out. It looks like a Zoom call. We are joined by the co-host of the world-famous radio show, podcast, video, cast, all of it, Rabbi Matthew Durbin and the Reverend Christian Anderson. Y'all are both in Stewart, Florida, right? Both in Stewart. I bike down to his temple and borrow Xerox paper when I run out. <laughs> Always That's prepared. how good a friend y'all are, right? <laughs> That's like oil in the lamp, right? You never run out, do you, Rabbi Durbin? No. No. And when he visited our church and preached, we still talk about to this day, the flowers that were put at the altar when Rabbi came here have not gone dead yet. And that has been months. It is the oh, oil wow. of the temple, Rabbi. I think the Pope needs to investigate much. that. I You're going to be amazing. Before, before this day is over, Rabbi, you will be sainted in our Without tradition. Even accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord. From, from, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> so, yeah, we have made it all the way through. We're in Judges, so we've made it through, you know, the first piece of the Bible. And we, for the first time, have someone from the Jewish tradition to come help us understand you know, we've talked about what it's like to read this on the other side of Jesus in our tradition, but what's it like to read this as someone in the modern Jewish tradition? And so particularly with the judges and what we'll talk about today, we're really interested to hear, you know, how it, this is um, read and responded to today. And in our little pre-show conversation, Rabbi got very animated. I've heard the radio show. He gets very animated. He has to keep up with Christian. Um, so I'm excited to see where this goes. We're picking up judges kind of the end of Judges 3 through 10, which basically is the story of Deborah, the story of Gideon, and kind of their judgeships, their reigns. I don't know the proper term for that. And so I think we'll just pick up there. We get in pretty quickly to Deborah to to start this off. And so Christian, Rabbi Durbin, talk to us about Deborah and y'all's response to that. Rabbi you know what rung out to me when I was reading this this morning, dutifully preparing for this podcast, uh, and looking <laughs> how I can embarrass Alan as much as possible, um, that uh, is it just me or did women have a an, more of an integral presence than on average when we're looking at the Hebrew scripture? Uh, there seems to be the, the, not just Deborah, uh, but we have other, maybe not by name, that are coming in and being integral to the movement of God's of God's movement with the people here? Or am I just being a silly man and looking through my male blinders and have not been aware of the uh, women are constantly um, involved in moving and being important for God's God's work? Would you say that's more than usual here? 
No, I mean, I think I think it's exactly as you just said, Anderson. It is. It is. You 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 said it clearly and 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 and, and beautifully. It's just you. No, it's just you. Um, I think it's important as, as we recognize the importance that women play throughout the Bible, right? Deborah is the only female judge that is ever named of all of our judges. That's significant and it's very important, right? Even if you look at, at some of our matriarchs, right? Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah, Bilhah, Zilpah. I mean, these women are named for a reason. Um, you know, many women in the Bible are unnamed. Um, because of course it is more of a patriarchal society. It is more, uh, and, and I think it also is, is how we define our interpretive skills, right? What is the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? Right? And, 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 and again, I speak as a reform rabbi, not an orthodox rabbi. So as a reform rabbi, I interpret the Torah. I take the Torah seriously. I take the Bible seriously. Uh, I do not take it literally. Um, I do believe that the Bible was divinely inspired by God, but written by human beings, which which tells me, especially with the book of Judges, which is, um, a, it, for those that have not had the opportunity to read it, it is, uh, there's a lot in it. Uh, there's a lot in it. Uh, but, you know, Father Anderson, not to go back to the point. Not a lot of pictures in it, which I found unfortunate. You can get you can get the 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 illustrated Bible. There's pictures in my Bible, Chris. Right. Oh, that's great. All right. yeah. My son goes to his school. Ra- Rabbi Durbin, I, I want to say is the lone female on this call with three white guys. Um, I am very grateful for you lifting up those voices. But I I I, I just it just makes me think like. Why, why, why do the women not have names? Why do the women, I mean, do y'all have kind of thoughts on that? You know, I mean, I don't call myself a crazy feminist, but I do think women, women's voices are important. I mean, you know, I'm 44 years old and I'm an Episcopal priest and I don't know a lot of other 44 year old Episcopal priests. There's a few, but not many, you know, so why do you think those voices were not named? In the early part of the Torah, in the early part of the Bible, I mean, I, I, I think, I think, in some way, the reason why women's names and women's voices were not as prevalent as men um, is really because the Bible, at least in my perspective, was written by man. Right. Men wrote the Bible, which means, in some way, that women were not highly prized. Right, in some way. Um, if you were a woman, uh, you know, before you got married, you would have to produce a dowry that was very expensive, right? Men got all the benefit. Um, women were very domestic in that, in that, in, in that role. Um, you know, I, 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 I wish my wife was here because my wife is a, is a reform rabbi as well. Um, and actually wrote her rabbinic thesis on, Oh, uh, we gotta have her. We gotta have her on the podcast. Oh, she will. <laughs> she has saved our podcast multiple yeah. times. Yeah, you know, and it's, and it's interesting because what, what what she had done with her thesis, uh, rabbinic thesis, was to look at three of King David's wives of how they shaped and um, uh, really solidified David's monarchy. Looking really at that, interesting. Michal and Abigail. You um, David's Divas. Is that wasn't that the name of her thesis? The, the, her name of her thesis. I love it, David's Divas. That's amazing. You know, but but it, it would beg the same question in some way if we go earlier back to the Torah. Is look, you've got Jacob, right? Jacob has 
12 sons and seemingly one daughter. And that one daughter gets one chapter, right? The daughter, Dina. And of course, with the, with the love relationship that she shares, right? This, this understanding that she loves this man, um, you know, and the brothers, uh, you know, avenge, you know, revenge on, on, on the kingdom because they feel that their sister has been violated. Right. So in some way we look at that story. Why, why seemingly one chapter and then she disappears? You hear nothing about her again. Um, Deborah, same type of thing, right? We, we read this amazing story of how Deborah judged, um, the people of Israel, um, fearlessly. I mean, she, she took no guff. I mean, she was strong in her convictions. She effectively had to present herself in some way almost as with male characteristics to be able to rise to the, uh, to the challenges that were faced uh, amongst her. You know, she, um, she, as I mentioned before, she is the only female judge that is ever mentioned in all of the Bible. And, 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 you know, to go back on your question, you know, why, I mean, why, why, why have her? Is it about empowerment um, I mean, I read the story and I see the story as great strength. Um, a woman who took everything that she could and tried to work for the benefit of all people to be a fair and, and, and yet stern judge to be able to, you know, progress society forward. Awesome. Thank you. Christian, what do you think? Well, Rabbi, and I'm I'm just going to plead ignorance on this as I often do. Uh, is this? Do we get more of Deborah before this or after this? Because I feel like it, 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 I've I've learned more about Deborah in other ways, but it just jumped. The Bible just jumps right into it into her story. But is this all we get of Deborah? Did no one else speaks about her in the Bible? Oh, did I silence none, you, Rabbi? None of us know the answer. <laughs> You guys are off the hook. You're just a bunch of Gentiles. Yeah, I'm a I'm a white guy, Christian. I don't need like. Uh, but I uh, um, so yeah. And then, do we know anything about L- L- Lapiodoth? Her husband used to work on his name, but um, but well, what that's what that, that's her husband. But yeah, so th- this is um, Rabbi and I once had a podcast on where we did we had an Anglican priest from um, from Canada. She came on and she she calls herself a biblical feminist or a, or a feminist feminist theologian. Uh, she was great. She was like, uh, listen, what I'm doing is just shedding light on what's already there. I'm not creating stuff out of thin air. There's all of these powerful and strong women who are integral to the movement of, of God throughout throughout Scripture. And uh, we don't preach it enough, and it doesn't come up enough, uh, definitely in our lectionary. And not in the name of feminism, just in the name of what the truth of, of the Bible, the story that's there. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I have the same questions about the, the, the whys and why, why Deborah and why don't we get others? There certainly were other strong women. And if what I'm hearing from you, Rabbi, is just because it's the victim of, if, if we, if you go down this road, which gets really sticky with, with biblical theologians, um, and literalists that you're saying it's more the culture that surrounded, um, the written word that they were brought by God, but then ultimately man decided to put it on paper. And so women got left out. Well, I, I mean, I think I think in some way we also have to look look at Deborah judged Israel for a year, two years. Would that have changed her story? Most likely, right? Deborah didn't judge for ten years. I mean, she judged Israel for sixty years. I mean, that's amazing. 
when you think about it. I mean, she was the staple. It's like Queen Elizabeth territory. Right. And I think I think when we go back uh, to it as well, I mean, look, Deborah judged and led Israel for 60 years. Um, she was in a time that was uh, quite a volatile time going on throughout tradition. So but remember, Barack, and then Barack, that was tough, man, because she had everyone saying, yes, we can for 60 years. Yes. But also, I think it's also important to, to, to remind ourselves <laughs> before Deborah becomes and be, be, is, is called a judge. She is also a prophet. And I think it's important to recognize, I mean, what is prophecy? What is a prophet? I mean, it's one who communes with God, right? God gave her a message, whether it be through a dream, whether it be through, through speech. She becomes, she becomes this prophet that then transforms to a judge and then starts judging and being present in a time that is, um, is, is quite a, a difficult time for the nation of Israel. Can I get yeah, so here? they put the woman in the prophet position in this difficult time. <laughs> <laughs> that so, makes me wonder. So uh, about prophet, right? In our tradition, like if you preach a hard sermon that someone might get upset about, people say, oh, that's prophetic. Well, or the other side is a prophet is someone who predicts the future, right? Like in your tradition, how today do you all understand what a prophet is? How how do you think folks in Deborah's day would have understood what a prophet yeah, was? Yeah, great question. It's a great question. I mean, I, I, I would look at it from the perspective that um, any relationship that we can have where God speaks to us directly. I mean, in some way, uh, are there modern day prophets? I mean, I think if we go back, um, and, and I know I'm probably going to open up a can of worms here, especially with Father Anderson with this, probably with all of you, right? The idea of the Messiah. Right. Judaism certainly has this ideology, this philosophy, this understanding of uh, in a very traditional sense of a messianic figure. Right. Someone who will be born, who will redeem the Jewish people. Right. There's a gate in Jerusalem in the old city that is permanently closed. You know, the dead will resurrect themselves. They'll walk down from Mount of Olives. They'll, you know, go through these pearly gates and, you know, the, the, the gate will open and, and, you know, time will, will, will resurrect itself. In a reform context, as reformed Jews, we do not believe in a messianic figure. We believe in a messianic age, in a time when the world will be perfected under God's leadership, God's kingship. The world recognizes God's unity, which I do also recognize is a very Western ideology. Um, to be able to say, when the world recognizes God's unity and God's sovereignty, may we bring the world back into social harmony in some way. And at that moment, that's when we bring about a messianic age. So it's not actually about a figure or a person to be born. For, of course, in Judaism, we had, I don't know, 400 years ago, give or take, one of uh, Judaism's biggest and false messiahs. Um, and I don't know if we're familiar, but in 1666, um, um, uh, uh, we have a gentleman by the name of Shabbatai Tzvi, and he was the self-proclaimed Messiah. And he had tons of followers. People believed him that he spoke with God. Now, however, uh, he was living in, 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 um, in Turkey at the time and ultimately had the choice, convert to Islam or die. And if you were truly the real Messiah, you would fall by the sword um, because your conviction is much stronger than the sword. And, of course, he converted to Islam and therefore turning this messianic figure um, um, 
uh, in, in a very challenging way. Rabbi, do we have prophets today? <laughs> you and I did a show on this, and I don't know if we were on opposite sides, because usually we are, and, but I'd, I would say there are no more prophets. We had the final prophet, Jesus Christ. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That speaks prophecy through us, prophetic words, but no one needs to be a prophet anymore. But for that's my take, and that's not what the church says. But but what about you? Do you believe that there are still modern-day prophets who are doing the work that we just read for seven chapters where people get the word of God, comes tells them the way to live, they screw up, they worship other gods, they do other things, they fall, they need a prophet to get them back online. Okay, we're back with you, God, because we hit our ground. We were on the bathroom floor crying and weeping and waiting for you to come rescue us, to get restored. The cycle happens over and over and over again. Um, do we have that today? I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think, um, to, to quote a very famous, uh, rabbi, um, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, um, Heschel used a very impactful and just a beautiful phrase. And he said, pray as if everything depended upon God, act as if everything depended upon you. And I think when I think about prophecy and I think about prophets today in the 21st century, I think that it is incumbent upon us to be able to listen and be open to the words of God because God speaks to us in a variety of different ways, right? Whether it be through uh, through action, through word, through deed, you know, propels us to be even greater human beings to make the world a better place. Is that being a prophet? I don't think so. Um, and I think, I think in some way, as the, as the Torah and certainly the Bible goes through its, its, um, its timeline in some way, um, we move from, right? We move from Moses to Joshua to judges to prophets and then prophets just end, right? Because at the end of prophets, we get kings, right? And there's something there. That also says are are the way that we 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 move from one to the other. Um, not to say that prophet, prophets have ended. Um, I, I do believe they have ended. We don't have modern day prophets today. I think what we do have today is modern day interpretation of our traditions that allow us the scope and the breadth to be able to unpack beyond the level of the surface. Wow! wow. Beautifully said. Yeah, we're going to have to have y'all back on when we get to the prophets. Um, Uh, Right? Like, but yeah, mic drop. Yeah, let's let's just close it down. No. Let's just stop right here. (laughs) So, right, not all judges are prophets, right? Deborah was, that was two parts of her character. So Gideon, the other one in this section we're reading this week, Gideon, I don't think was called a prophet. Um, What, so as we move into Gideon, Rabbi, I'm curious your reflections on him. He's actually like, I think growing up, I heard more about Gideon than I did Deborah, probably because patriarchy. Um, but in the, I would say just the opposite. Really? Deborah well, I grew is up in a conservative very, evangelical. An, a yeah. name I knew and Gideon was not. So yeah, I, I don't know what, difference. and when I grew up cradle of Episcopalian, um, you know, Alan grew up in the, um, Missouri, is it Missouri Center? Mm-hmm. Lutheran? Church, yeah, so, so like, but interestingly, but also female, male in that respect. So I always knew who Deborah was. So tell us about Gideon. So um, I, I, I'm very much of the same belief um, and understanding as you. Um, growing up, we very rarely heard the stories. Um, we very rarely heard the stories of Gideon. We heard more the stories of Deborah, and I don't know. 
I mean, we're all relatively of the same age. I mean, I'm 43 years old. When I was growing up, um, um, you know, we, we, we never really heard those stories. We were heavily influenced by the stories of Deborah. And I don't know if that's because the time at which I was growing up, when we were hearing of these stories in the 80s and certainly through religious school and everything else, that there was power in women's voices. And I think in some way it also um, it also lays some understanding, especially in a reform context, of how women have been more embraced within progressive Judaism. So I say that coming up to this summer – uh, in 2022, where the reform movement will be celebrating 50 years as women as rabbis. So, of course, the first female rabbi uh, in the United States was Rabbi Sally Priesend, uh, who still is uh, she's retired now, but she um, she will she would have been ordained in 1972. So, in that regard, I think growing up, certainly in the 80s, there was always that push to be able to look at it from another side. Let's look at it from the female perspective. For, of course, the female voices are so important within our traditions and to really go, you know, a little bit deeper in it. But Deborah was certainly one that we we spent a lot of time, uh, and certainly in rabbinical school as well, spent a lot of time unpacking her and her story. Alan, uh, do you think that not as much not more about – I have to cut him off because he'll just go on forever. Alan, do you think that uh, – Gideon, you got more of Gideon too, because I don't know if you guys have been listening to the podcast, uh, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, or yes. the, the one about John Wayne, the, uh, that book they John wrote, Wayne uh, and Jesus. Yeah. John mm-hmm. Wayne and Jesus. That, that, uh, the, 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 that macho part of the evangelical movement of the warrior king, and we need to be warrior leaders. And so Gideon will speak to that. You can draw on that as a pastor and get to that. You can rise up with and quote 300, the movie 300, and just say yeah. you can go out there. Because Gideon does fit that uh, for that machismo. That, that yeah, is and I think, and also even, this may be heretical, but maybe the false humility narrative, right? Because like you hear Gideon's call, right? Echoes Moses where he says, how can I lead? I'm the weakest. Or, you know, and maybe that's sincere. But there's that story kind of throughout, right, as especially male headship of organizations. There's, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. But, yeah, elect me. I can't do it. But, yeah, hire me. I, 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 I love that, that and certainly that interpretation as well because there is something there, especially with Moses, right? When Moses speaks with God and God says, I've chosen you, right, Moses' first response is, I'm not worthy. Choose somebody else. I'm not ready for this task. And actually, the, the Torah does not make it clear, right? It effectively has this conversation with God and Moses, but we just assume it's almost instantaneous, right? God says, I've chosen you. Moses says, I'm not ready. He goes, don't worry, right? I'll appoint Aaron as your spokesperson, but at the end of the day, you are the one who is to lead. And I think that there's something there about humility. I think there's something there about realness. He's, he's a real human being like any one of us being charged with the responsibility by God. But I think that there's, you know, there is something that we call Midrash, um, the stories or the parables that the rabbis created 1,500, 2,000 years ago to fill in the biblical gaps. And there's a Midrash that actually speaks and says that when God speaks with Moses, they go backwards and forwards for seven full days until Moses finally says, I am ready to accept the challenge. And same thing with Gideon in some way, which is to be able to say, I'm just mere, you know, flesh and blood. I, I, I'm not ready for this challenge. 
But I think when we when we look at that at that synergy with Moses, there's something that really speaks and says Moses is like one of us. He has his flaws. He's not perfect. And maybe that's the reason God chooses Moses is that for thousands of years later, we can reflect on this and say, look, I'm not Moses, but there are qualities of Moses that we all share. You go back to the beginning of Exodus. I don't know, but like, this podcast is actually about Gideon. And, yeah, I get and it. You went over, you went over to I Moses. So who you help our <laughs> colleagues out there invited us on here. If we invite them onto our podcast and they start talking about monster trucks and the whole thing was supposed to be talking about. You can't, you can't move forward if you don't understand the past and where we are with now it. Now we just lost her. Now we just lost Mary Balfour. No, I'm uh, back on. You lost me for a second. So I was like, so let me, let me say this. So wait, let me say real th- quickly about, about, about Gideon and maybe we're, yes. we're at the end here is that, uh, the, the, what Gideon reminded me of this morning when I was reading it was that, uh, God, to me, what I took away was less is more. Um, and, and often yeah, as church leaders, and I don't know about you, rabbis, that there's this pressure that we need more and more and more to go out and fight the good fight. And we need to have more numbers and we need to have a bigger church and uh, we need more programs. And God is saying to Gideon, like, what you need more is me. You need more of me and I'll, I'll take care of it for you. But if you get more of me in your life and center your life around me, I'll take care of everything. I can do it with just two of you, 300 of you. But, 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 and, and I want people who are committed. We had confirmation started kind of kids have not been showing up to worship. And it got to remind me, it emboldened me to say to them, I just said, listen, if you're not going to be at worship, don't get confirmed right now. I need you every week. And if this is not the time for you, fine, come next week. But I need you all in. I think God is just saying, I want people all in. Let's go for this. Um, because that's what really moves, moves mountains is if your heart's fully in it. But I, I, if that, if that theme played at all, or Rabbi, if you, and Alan, you identify with that since Rabbi scared away, uh, Mary Belfort. I'm back on. I would I- be, I'd be interested, um, for the both of you, because in some way we read is certainly in, in, in our Bible, we read the story of Gideon, certainly in, um, in judges, but I'm aware that there's a reference in chapter 11 of the epistle to the Hebrews, where Whoa. Gideon mentioned in chapter 11. Wow. Come on. The first person to quote the New Testament is the good rabbi. <laughs> where can I find that in my Bible, Matthew? Yep. Epistle, epistle to the Hebrews. Uh, it, 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 from what I can read, it says, um, taken in chapter 11, that time would fail me to tell Gideon and others who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped from the edge of the sword, out of the weakness we were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to the fight of the armies of the aliens. I guess I guess I would be I would be interested to know from a Christian perspective, um, you know, what, what what is that? I mean, how is Gideon interpreted and and used within Christian scripture? As that warrior judge, I mm-hmm. would say, right? Like I, Christian, when you were talking about Bibles without pictures, I picked up my action Bible. It's the Bible is graphic novel and judges is awesome. Like, you know, you look at this page and it's, you know, oh, strong yeah. jawed people and like the, the lion, the flames, right? You think, and I can remember, right? Like that was important in my tradition growing up, the, Right. We're strong. We're men. We're, we're this, right? Um, and that's how I see it as 
kind of that warrior leader component. And it's interesting, right? I don't know. I'll have to check on this. I don't know that Deborah's referenced in the New Testament. You know, occasionally folks will will echo back to to heroes from from the Hebrew scriptures. Gideon, obviously. I don't know if Deborah is. It is, you know, in our lectionary, our three-year cycle of readings in the Episcopal Church or across um, mainline churches, the only reading from Joshua, I mean, from Judges, is the beginning of chapter four, kind of the introduction of Deborah. We don't get any of the other stuff Mm. on Sundays in our tradition, but we Mm. do get that little piece. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I... For the traditions in the Episcopal Church, I didn't get much of either, to tell you the truth. It wasn't really preached yeah. heavily. Um, I, all the churches I grew up in really focused a lot more in Christian scripture, uh, I'm, I'm sad to say. Um, so uh, I, I found that once I was going through my internships, I was asking the priests who I worked under to say, how do I get more invested? Because I don't know if I'll get it all in seminary. And they literally told me one time, say, Christian, what you got to do is just tell your congregation that for a whole year, all you're going to do is preach from Hebrew scripture. And then you'll you'll be you'll learn a ton. But fortunately, God brought me one of my best friends, Rabbi Durbin, and I would just call him before sermons and say, "Dude, give me the lowdown." And he talks about. I need to find a rabbi to call for that. I'll call. Yeah, that you know, we've met now two times because I was on y'all's podcast. I had to talk about like racism and stuff. Y'all just got to come on here and yell about Deborah. I got the I got the short end of that. But I think we're going to be on y'all's podcast in a couple weeks to talk Barry Balfour and I who. Mary Boffer, it kind of looks like she might still be on. You might still see her picture. I don't know if you'll hear her voice, um, but we're wrapping up anyway. Can you hear me? Yep. I can hear you here, but it doesn't look like you're recording. So um, we'll be on A Priest and a Rabbi in a couple weeks. Who's going to be on y'all's show tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow we Do got you know a- yet? No, we do. We do. Uh, Speak Like the Musical is a, a national tour that uh, works to end bullying. And God's really been working through this ministry out of a big mega church around here. But they have really been helping change a lot of kids' lives who are dealing with the, 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 the heaviness of depression and suicidal ideations. And they just got funded and they made a big movie. So now it's going to go across the whole country. So we're going to talk to them about how God, how they've been obedient to God's call and why it is so important for them to be taking on um, an epidemic of bullying. That's awesome. We'll link to the show. I'll link to that musical as well. So folks can hopefully check y'all out again, Rabbi Durbin, the most reverend Christian. Thank y'all very much for being with us today. Thank you. For and listeners, thank y'all for being with us. As Mary Balfour says every week, hopefully I don't butcher, butcher it. Remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does.